0: Man, if you'd asked me seven years ago if I saw myself live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, I'm from Canada, I would have said, oh, heck no. But then if you'd asked me if I'd be ministering three times in six months or so, or being with family three times six months in Mississippi, I'd be like, where? <laughs> and I love this place, man. This is, it, every time I come, it gets harder and harder to leave. Um, before I, I'm going to try and get to a message. I'm going to try but I do have some words that I feel like the Lord's given me to release over individuals as well as over some groups in the church. Uh, But before I do that, because a bunch of you weren't here yesterday, I want to clarify some things on what prophecy is and what prophecy isn't. Uh, In New Testament, we're talking about New Testament prophecy. You know, a lot of things shifted in the New Covenant, right? And New Testament prophecy is speaking the heart of God over people. Simply that. Sometimes it comes out as saying, I see you going here or there or whatever. Now, it is not, and Paul is clear on this, infallible or perfect. He tells us for when we get together, for one or two to bring the prophetic word and the others to weigh it. And as I said last night, if we're to weigh the prophetic word or judge the prophetic word, and that's like dig deep into the word and decide if you think it's real, uh, then it obviously isn't always right (laughs) or 100% right. Does that that make sense to you all? Okay, and it's, I, we know in part and we prophesy in part, so it's a piece. And so my job today and your job when, as you move in this is to simply release what God's given you with the permission of the person you're releasing it to. So I'm going to ask you, for those of you I'm going to give words to, if I can give you a word. You have, listen, there's no judgment if you're not comfortable and you're like, no. Or you can say, maybe after the service privately, All of that's fine, okay? It's totally free. And you won't offend me and you won't offend anybody else. And my job is to simply give it. It's not to interpret it. And it's not to say that it's absolutely the voice of God and it's 100% accurate. Your job is to weigh it and decide, yeah, that fits or that doesn't fit. I receive that or I don't receive that. That's totally up to you. Does this make sense to you all? I want to say that because so often we think that, like, you know, somebody comes in and speaks a word of prophecy, he must be a prophet. No, Paul says that we all should prophesy. So there's a difference between that, it's a gift of prophecy, and then we also think like, it's like the Old Testament, we may look at some Old Testament prophecy if I get there today, but where it's like a direct word from God, verbatim, no, that's not what New Testament prophecy is, and there's lots of language, and you can get the recording from last night to learn more about that. Okay, and the notes, and, or we'll just do it again sometime. <laughs> I'd be game. Um, I'm ne- I've decided I'm never coming for less than five days, but you probably will see me more during hunting season than non-hunting <laughs> season. Um, although, if I don't get a turkey sometime, I ain't ever coming back during turkey season. <laughs> five, five times. I was here five days, I went five times. Um, and I got zero turkeys. So, where's thy, thine favor, Lord? <laughs> no. Ma'am, hi there. May I give you a word? Yeah. What's what's your name? V. v V. Would you mind standing up for me? Is that all right? I just like that because I can see you better. And it's just it's easy. easy for me, and everybody can see you. Um, v. The Lord just highlighted you to me during worship early on, and I just I just saw strength. There was this like incredible strength inside of you at your core, and then I saw this picture of like it was um. Okay, so I was once, I'm from Canada, we have a lot of rivers, and I was, I was whitewater rafting, and we were supposed to go to the left, where it was a level three rapid, uh, because the highest level you're allowed to do as an amateur is level four, and to the right was a level five and a half six, and the water pushed us to the right, and there were those who just thought it was fun, fools like me, there were those who were terrified, and there were those who knew, we're just going to get through this. It's going to be okay. They just had that strength to get us through it. And the, and the guide who was with us was the, was the one who brought that strength and calmed the boat and brought us into focus, brought the ones who were a little rowdy and just thought they were having a good time, no, no, you need to do something now or we are going to be in danger, and brought the ones who were afraid, no, no, it's time to be strong or else we're going to be in danger. Do you know what I'm saying? That's who you are, I believe. I believe God's saying, "You're a woman of great strength who can calm people and bring them into alignment to get through the storms." Does that make any sense? All right. Thank you, V. Um, Tim, may I give you a word? Would you mind standing up for me? Um, little, well, you don't. If you, you don't have to stand up again, every question is actually a question. Um, <laughs> I actually, first I want to repent and apologize to you, only because I knew I had this word last night, and I started to say it, and I stopped, and I shouldn't have, because what was cool was the picture that I heard you gave to Johnny was actually tied into the picture he gave me, and now, it's a little funny, because it's like, you know, hindsight now, but I'm like, oh, no, Lord, you were right. I was supposed to give that then. I know you do, but I'm also just saying, I, I just, I apologize for not being obedient. I saw you sitting on a porch. And I love your porches. I love your porches. And I, miss, I could move here just for the porches. I'm not moving here anywhere. Um You only have to deal with me a few times a year. Um, I saw you sitting on a porch, and you had young men sitting around you. And, and you were simply, in your grace and mercy and in your incredible brilliance, drawing from them the things that God had put into them, challenging them and pouring in the things that God had put into you. And I see that from now until the end of your days, God's going to bring men into your life three or four at a time. I'm not talking about 25. I'm not saying go start a men's group. I'm saying ask God, who are the ones you're highlighting? And then just start to bring them onto your porch to just talk Jesus and life with you. It's not just talking Jesus. It's your life, too. I I felt like the Lord said, get your house in order to be able to receive men to come in so you can pour into them. And I don't know exactly what that part means and I think but it was actually your physical house. I think there's a space you're supposed to create for that in your house whether it's in your backyard, your porch, something like that. But it was like you were sitting on a porch and you were pouring into these men and it, and then what happens is it's true discipleship because you're going to have you're going you're going to end your life and you may think, "Man, thank you, Lord. I got to impact 100 or 200 people." But what's going to happen is the impact that you had on those hundred or two hundred is gonna go to the thousands upon the thousands. And there will be lines of cars driving to honor the gift that God put in you and you poured out at the end of your day on this earth. And there won't be room in the church. The biggest church in town won't be big enough for the number that you've impacted. Does that make any sense? Thank you. I love you, man. Um, is Luke Buckner here? Luke, I I, I know you really love the spotlight, but may I give you a word? (laughs) I see you standing in front of thousands. No. Um, (laughs) Actually, I don't. I don't. Your word's similar to Tim's, but it's in a different way. Um, I've just marveled at you this week, man. I love you. I've just, I've watched you from Fort Worth, and every time I've come, and it's just like, you're, you're... You're something else, man. But here's the thing that the Lord spoke to me about you today. I believe. There is an assault on masculinity going on in our culture. Yeah. And it's it's radical and it's, it's awful. And it's based in, you know, this term toxic masculinity. Yeah. And I'm like, no, toxic is toxic. Mm. Like, being a jerk is being a jerk. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It has nothing to do with being a man. It's just being a jerk. Yeah. But God's going to use you strategically to bring masculinity back into people, to say it's okay to be a man. It's okay, You can be a man, and you can be good. You can be a man, and you can be honorable. You can be a man, and you can have integrity, and you're going to have young men around you all your life, and it's going to be, this isn't sitting on the porch, this is going hunting, just so you know. Like, it is absolutely taking men hunting, and it's absolutely just Hmm. It's, again, true discipleship is doing life together, bringing them alongside you. And you're going to have men that you bring into your home, and you're going to show them how to be a father and how to be a husband. And you're going to have men you bring into your church, and you're going to show them how to be a man of God in the house of God. You're going to have men that you bring hunting, and you're going to open up. Listen, you guys have opened up a level of masculinity in me that I like, because this <laughs> hunting thing is good. And it's, and it's your family that's done it, and you're a part of that. But there. God has made you to be an example in this season, in this time, in this place for such an hour, to be an example of what true godly masculinity works, looks like, and then to pour that into others. Does that make sense? You, all right. Thanks. Jake, I, I gave you a word last night, but I want to ask your permission. Can I prophesy over your worship community? Would, would the worship community please stand up? For me? Because I'd just like to see you. If you're in New Horizons worship, Christian fellowship. Okay, but no, no, this is specifically those who serve in New Horizons Christian fellowship worship. Does that make sense? Okay. Hmm. The picture I saw initially was uh, concentric circles. You guys know what those are? And it was interesting because the Lord told me this, and then you said it on Friday night. The Lord told me it's time for you guys to just worship together. And he showed me that the concentric circles work like this. It starts with you, and it starts with you at the inner circle, getting deep together and one-on-one with the Lord. And that ties into what you and I talked about last night, by the way. The next circle is your worship leader sometimes just getting together. I think I'm going to be more specific than I would usually be, but what I felt like the Lord said is that you guys need to try and find a way to try, it's not law, to get together once a week in worship together. Just worship. No inti- Yes, songs may come out of it, but you're not coming together to write songs. You're coming together just to worship and praise. And then, like, once a month, the next circle is the worship leaders, those who lead worship in this house, getting together, like, once a month, I felt like he said. And then the next is kind of the whole community, and then the next is the church. What happened was, and then, you know, you figure that out, but what happened was these circles, all of a sudden it's like I was looking down on them or something. But, but then as I saw them from a parallel angle or whatever, it was a drill. And it was an oil drill. And your guy's ability to worship in private is what is going to bring strength to the drill to be able to drill deep through some really hard places and get into the oil that's deep down. And tap into things. And as you guys all do that, it's going to start to flow out. But here's the thing that he showed me, is it's not flowing out just for this house. It's flowing out for the nations. It's flowing out for the church and the nations. And I actually saw, right now you guys have this New Horizons worship thing, and I love what you're doing, and it's right. But what's happening is, you guys have like one man right now. I saw four. I saw four to go to the four corners of the earth. God wants to do something out of that drill that comes in your private worship that will spread to the four corners of the earth. Is that all right? Okay. Whew. gotta see. Okay, I'm, I got a few more words, but I'm going to take a minute to, to risk something because I told the folks here last night, the Lord's been challenging me to go into words of knowledge and specific things. This is the first time I'm ever doing that. So this is me practicing... And I, when you're practicing like this, especially at the early days, you're guessing unless you're right. (laughs) If I'm right, it was God. If if I'm wrong, it was me. Can you have grace for me for that? Okay, we finished our hunt this morning, and I thought I'd go back to bed. And instead, the Lord decided to talk to me, which I appreciated. (laughs) Um, I really did. But I saw a gentleman, I believe, kind of 50s, 60s, grayer hair, and I believe the name was Jim or James... Is there anybody here that that is true of? No, sweet, I'm wrong. Cool. Um, oh, come on, really? Oh, I love that. Because the Lord highlighted you to me, but I didn't have a word and I wasn't sure. And then, there you go. James, may I give you a word? You can. I would like that. Man, you're a good-looking guy. Like, you are sharp. I'm, I'm envious right now of that. I think we got the same shirt, though, which is a good sign. Um, I just, first of all, I saw the word teacher, and I'm not sure if that's like a motivational gift, a gift, or a profession, but I saw the word teacher over you. Um, hmm. I saw you teaching children, interestingly. Because God's given you, I don't know that it's actually teaching kids. Now, sorry, he's given it to me as it, as it comes, and I apologize, I'm going a little slow this morning. You can blame the turkeys. Um, but <laughs> I don't know that it's actually physical children, but what it is is God's giving you an ability to take the great mysteries of God and those things that, like, you know, we all have those scriptures we read and we're like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? And the things that, are, like, the, the things that are complicated to wrap your brain around, and to understand it so fully that you can simplify it. And teach it to the young. Oh, it's new believers, James. That's what it is. The babies are the new believers. There's going to be a harvest that comes in, and God's going to use you to teach them the simple truths of God, the complicated things as simple truths, so that they have a great foundation in the kingdom. And that's all I got. Is that all right? All right. Josiah Monica, can I give you guys words? All right, do you all mind standing up for me? And it's a word for the both of you. Um, it's funny, I'm getting short words this morning. I like it. It's, it's working because he gave me a word to preach, and I've got 13 minutes left. May not happen. <laughs> um, you guys have a powerful ministry in front of you, and it's not actually, it's not that you're not doing the right thing, but the ministry is going to change radically because he's giving you a ministry of marriage. Yeah. and you're going to model equality, equally yoked. You have a major role in this, just so you know. And I know the culture here can be different on some of that stuff, but no, you're like, you have a role as a speaker. You have a role as, as a writer. You guys are going to write books that are going to heal people's marriages. You're going to get testimonies from books that you've written on marriages being restored simply through reading them sorry, I just love you guys, and I get I don't usually cry about this. And um, I see just like crazy supernatural healing coming to marriages through words of wisdom and words of prophecy and words of knowledge, where it's like you're gonna be able to see, and it's I think I said something similar to Chuck, but you're gonna come in and it's you know, there's we all see sometimes that there's couples that all of a sudden they're in crisis and they're splitting up and they seemed to be perfect or doing really well and then they never said anything. You guys know what I'm talking about? You ever see that? In your, and you're going to be able to see these couples that put on the good face and everything looks right and nobody has a clue and you're like, they're not okay. And you're going to be able to tell them why they're not okay and you're going to be able to tell them how to get okay. And then you're going to walk with them in it. And then you're going to teach people how to be a mother and how to be a father, both to spiritual kids and physical kids. The, I love that your title is Family Life Pastor, and I've always thought that was kind of a funny title because it's not a title. You guys love the, norm, the abnormal terminology. You like to create your own, and I love it, and I mean, but they're meaningful. But now I realize why it was given to you. It's not because you're going to oversee these ministries, although you do, and things like that, but the reality is he's given that to you both, because he's calling you to be pastors to the family life. Is that all right? Okay. Um, would it be all right if I prophesied over your college kids? All right. Are there, are there any your college students or soon to be in college students here? And actually, anybody who's involved in the college ministry, that's actually what I need to do is college ministry. Anybody who's involved in the college ministry, can I get you all to stand up? Not all at once now. That's fine. Okay. You guys have been in a season. You guys have been in a season of laying the foundation. Okay? And setting the culture and putting the foundation in place. And I heard the Lord say very clearly, a foundation that never gets built on has no purpose. And it's time to go to the highways and the byways, guys. It's absolutely time. There is this church. Hmm. We need the mothers and fathers. You see how we've been talking about different ones, the masculinity and the teaching and the, the pouring into men and all these, and the, and the family life. Like, that's all discipleship, mothering, fathering stuff. And that, I realize now, God's put that all for me to say because what this word is, is you guys are called to your campuses, especially to the state campus, to bring revival. And it's not going to come through tent meetings, and it's not going to come through big events. It's going to come through one-on-one telling your Jesus story to people and bringing them into the kingdom, one by one by one by one, and then they're going to tell. And you're going to release them right away. You're going to get past this whole, well, now you need to go be equipped so that you can tell somebody about Jesus. You're going to be like, go tell your Jesus story to your friends. You know, my friend in India, and I love this. He I told this to some of you all on Wednesday, but I'm going to reiterate it. He, when he leads somebody to Jesus, he says, come back tomorrow and I'll baptize you. But if you don't bring somebody with you who you've led to Jesus to baptize, I can't baptize you. And he had a story recently of a guy who came on the Sunday and he's like, he came alone. And he's like, I, I told you to bring somebody, man. I'm sorry. He's like, oh, sorry about that. Guy leaves, comes back a few hours later with like 25 people. And they were mostly his family. And he's like, oh, you brought your mom and your dad. That doesn't count. Like, you just brought your friends and family and people from the house church movement. And he's like, no, no. I led these six people to Jesus in the last three hours. And he was like, oh. Oh. Well, I'm going to baptize you and you're going to baptize those six then. But that's what I'm talking about. It's going to be that quick release, quick release, quick release. We're going to get past this whole thing of we need more training, we need more training, we need more training. God's saying, No, it's time to just go, 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 go. The training ground is the fields that are the harvest. You're going to tra- raise them up but in the fields as they're doing the harvesting. And you guys, it's time to become harvest workers. You guys have been foundation layers and you've had people with you helping you lay a foundation. And it is a good foundation, it is a solid foundation. But it's time to go to the harvest and raise up the laborers for the harvest, who raise up the laborers for the harvest, I'm absolutely convinced that this house is going to be filled like 70% with young adults and youth. And the 30% are going to be the mothers and fathers who are pouring into them. It's time to go. But you have to do it. See, we too often think that we have to wait for God to do something. 2,000 years ago, he told us to go. What are we waiting for? It's time to go. Don't don't wait for the sign. Jesus was clear. What what kind of sign do you want? He's the Lord of the harvest, and he's raised you up as harvest workers. Man, Leah, I can't get my eyes off you because this is all over you. This is like... I think this is part of the call of God on your life, actually. I don't think this is like the season that you're a young adult and then you'll move into being a mother and father. No, I see you in your like 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s being on campus bringing people to Jesus. And you're going to have this reputation among, like it's just going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, that's Leah. This is what she does, and she's amazing. You need to go talk to her. <laughs> and you're going to start getting calls, Leah, in the middle of the night from people that got your number from a friend of a friend because they're high and they're drunk and they're thinking about like killing themselves. And they're like, I don't know what to do, but I'm supposed to call you. And you're going to lead them to Jesus in their hour of crisis. You're going to bring them out, out of the worst darkness into the greatest light. And Isaac, I'm going to prophesy over you, and it's related, but it's actually more, and I've never given this, I promise you, I've never given this word anyway in my life, and the Lord's been speaking to me about it for three months about you, and I've wrestled with saying it because I don't like saying this, but you're a prophet. You're a prophet to the nations, but, and sorry, that's a big deal for me because I don't like labeling people prophets. God does that, and I'm it's... That's uncomfortable, but he wouldn't let me not, and you get to choose as a body to receive or not receive, right? But you're a prophet, I believe, a prophet to the nations. And there's a few things first as warning, and then I'll go further, but if you seek the stage, if you seek the limelight, if you seek an audience for yourself to make a name for yourself, and I know that's not your heart, but that's going to be the temptation because of the greatness of the gift of God on your life, you're going to miss it. Because honestly, I don't think you'll ever be, I don't know that you'll ever be known as this amazing prophet that everybody calls in to do conferences. But here's the thing. If you obey that and just walk in what he's given you to walk in, what I saw was kings and presidents and prime ministers calling you and you having an audience with them in private where you speak the mysteries of God and the strategies of God to that. And then it went further because I, and this is crazy, but I saw, the, I saw the Middle East, and I saw <laughs> I saw like the Ayatollahs, like Ayatollah coming to you and being like, I was told, I just felt like I had to talk to you. There's a thing happening in the Middle East right now where there's, there's a prophet that has a, uh, is really without name, and I'll say this quickly, and it's in Iran, but it's, it's key for this in the Quran, and I don't understand it all. But basically, what's been happening more and more over the last few years is this prophet who we know as Jesus and they now know as Jesus, those who are coming in, is visiting people in the night in their rooms physically and is visiting them in their dreams. And yes, that's crazy, but I tell you what, people are getting saved in Iran like crazy. I'm hearing reports from church leaders that I truly respect of them having to fly them out to rescue them, of them bringing them out to equip them and pour into them and then sending them back in. And there's things happening, because we don't know what goes on in that country, there's things happening in that country and in Saudi Arabia that we can't understand in terms of the movement of the gospel and God's gonna use you in that. And people are going to have visitations from this prophet, and they're going to say, you need to talk to this guy because he has the strategy for your nation. And I see Iran, and I see Saudi Arabia. And I I think that's way down the road. And do not try to get there. (laughs) Because if you try to make that happen yourself, you'll either be in a prison there or in a mental hospital here. (laughs) But I'm telling you, if you are faithful to go low and stay humble... And never seek an audience. I believe these things will happen in your life. Is that all right? Listen, you guys. Now, the church around you for these young adults, for these ones, the Lord is calling you to be the prayer warriors who support them you guys are the rear guard for the most part. There's Some of you are front lines workers, and I know that, but I'm saying for the most part, you guys in this church here, because of what God's doing, I'm telling you the demographic of this church is going to change dramatically, and those who are in this church body right now who are in the older demographic, that demographic's not going to grow much, and that's God's design. It's going to be the younger one, but your job is not to be the head, but it's to be the rear guard pushing them forward, to be the prayer, the covering over them, to be the counsel, to be the disciples, to be the ones they come to when they're discouraged, to bring encouragement you guys are called to be the rearguard for this generation in this church that has a significant call of God for that campus and your campus. Is that okay? Do you all receive that? Okay. You're gonna be seated. Uh, sir, I I don't cry like ever, but I cried today. I blame the turkeys. Um, basically, my whole life, I'm going to blame the turkeys until I get to shoot one. <laughs> well, I was going to preach something that I can't preach because I don't have time and it's quite long. But I'm going to tell you this. I want the, the story of Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20 is very significant for this church, and it ties into a lot of significant pieces It starts with in 19, first of all, the prophet comes to Jehoshaphat and challenges him in a way that's uncomfortable when you read it, and basically says, the Lord's got some stuff against you, but he also sees that there's good in you. Jehoshaphat responds to that by getting Israel in order, and you'll read about that. But that's a key piece, because then what happens is, as he gets Israel in order, they get surrounded by multiple nations for their destruction. And Jehoshaphat, he says, Jehoshaphat was afraid and he called the nation to a fast and to pray and to come together. And he cried out to the Lord. And his prayer is significant because what he did was he reminded God of his promises. He reminded God of the the words he'd spoken. He'd reminded God of his own nature. He'd reminded God of how they'd been faithful. He reminded God of all these things, not because God forget, because he's building himself up, but also he's saying, hey, What I'm seeing, my circumstances don't line up with the reality of what you've spoken over this nation, so you gotta do something. Sometimes we think we gotta make it an us problem, and sometimes we do, but sometimes we just gotta make it a God problem. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes the problem, the thing that's surrounding us is so big that we have to be willing to just lay down and say, God, I got nothing, this is you. And then God speaks. He calls the whole nation to a fast, to pray in the temple. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, I wish I could preach the whole thing, but I'm going to go real fast. And then the prophet speaks. This, the prophetic thing is really big for this church, and I know it's new for some of you and less new for others, And but I'm telling you, you guys need to be operating and following the voice of God. Like, you just need to know that you're following the voice of God, and God's going to raise up voices among you that you're like... Um, you who are in the elder leader body are going to know we need to go to this voice and ask them to pray. You're just going to have trust in that. Does that make sense? And that's what Jehoshaphat does, right? He prays and the prophet comes forward and says, basically, so you've got this intercession thing happening. By the way, that ties into the intercession that goes on in this house, that prayer piece, right? And then the prophet comes and says, basically, and very quickly, I got this. God says, I got this one. You don't have to be afraid. I got this one. And then Jehoshaphat, God says, when you go out tomorrow, basically the whole problem is going to be solved. I'll fix the whole thing myself. You just go out. Now, he doesn't tell them to go out worshiping, but Jehoshaphat praises the Lord then and then sets the strategy. In honoring of the Lord, he says the worshipers are going first. Jake, the worshipers are going first. You guys have a powerful worship community here. I encourage you to support them because it's significant beyond this church body, beyond this city, beyond this state, and beyond this nation. And the worshipers go out first. And then they, as it says, as they go out worshiping, the nations, the enemies, turn on each other and destroy each other to a man and they get to the watchtower, and they see that God's done it, and they just praise some more. But you see, they didn't praise because they had the victory. They praised because God promised the victory. That's an act of faith. You get that? There's praise songs. I, I think God's challenging. I think God wants you guys to write more high praise songs, because there's been a trend in the church over and over and over over the last 25 years to go more and more into, man, everything's brutal, but God, you're good. When everything is awful, God, you're, you're all right. And I'm just, I'm sorry, this is me just being frustrated because I'm like, no, but everything's not awful because he's promised that I will have the victory. So I'm going to praise from the state of having the victory rather than my circumstances, So I think there's praise songs that are in that for you guys that are gonna come forth. That high praise, high praise, like that Isaiah 6 stuff, that that revelation stuff in the throne room, seeing the king praise songs, not the I think you're all right, God songs. You get what I'm saying? Now, the intimate stuff, you need that too. I'm not I'm not telling you to just abandon some of who you are. I'm saying add to it, grow in that without losing this. They had a problem. And Jehoshaphat was prepared to deal with the problem because he'd already responded once to the prophet coming against him and set his house in order. And then Jehoshaphat went into intercession and took the whole nation into intercession. You guys are, have an intercession thing going on here. Keep praying. Pray without ceasing. And then they went back into the prophetic where they got the strategy from God. You're a church that's supposed to get the strategy from heaven. Like, I hope that you never read a church growth book, any of you. I'm not being funny. Like, I hope that you never do because you're you're not called to operate on the strategies of man. Or even if those were the strategies of God, the yesterday strategy, you're supposed to work on the fresh word for today. And then you're just supposed to walk it out in praise. Not praising because you've seen it, but but praising because you know you will see it, because his promises are yes and amen. And then, when you see the promise fulfilled, praise a little more. Thus endeth my sermon. See, God's good, just a thing on the prophetic quickly. God was speaking to me about so many people today and yesterday, and then he was speaking to me about these groups of people, and I was telling these guys this week, I'm like, I don't have clarity for what I'm supposed to speak on on Sunday, I don't have clarity I'm supposed to speak, and they were like, well, if you just prophesy, that's fine, and I was like, "Mm, I think I'm supposed to bring a word, and then this morning, as I'm walking with my brothers, not listening to turkeys, um, the Lord told me Jehoshaphat. And I actually sat there quietly and looked up my phone at one point to make sure I had the right reference and read it, read it quickly while I was in the car. And I was like, God, that's a really long text. <laughs> like, I could read that and it'd take 10 minutes. What are you talking about? And then, but then you see what it is. It's like, I, I was stepping into the worrying about how the word is going to be fulfilled. You see that? I was worried about the like, how am I going to do this? And it's like, oh, that's not my job. My job is to say yes, to step into it, and then he fulfills the word. And for me this morning, at least, it encourages me that he did. It also really encouraged me that there was a James here. <laughs> um, I'm going to just have you stand, if you don't mind, and I'm going to pray over you, and then I'm going to hand it over to one of your wonderful leaders. And then if you want to stay at noon and we're going to prophesy over more people, it's going to be me and some of the folks will join in with me who took the training last night who are comfortable. I may teach a little more on prophecy. You're welcome to stay. You don't have to have been here last night, but there's no offense if you beeline for the car. Um, All right. So Holy Spirit right now, God, we thank you that you are speaking that you are always speaking, that you've never stopped speaking. God, we thank you that from the beginning, your word brought the world into existence from your word, your spoken word. And we all exist by it, and we all live by it, and we're all following it, and we will never stop from here into the age to come. So Holy Spirit, I say, speak your word in this house. Father, I pray that you would just raise up voices, that you would raise up prophetic voices in this house and raise up prophetic voices in this community. God, I pray that you would raise up teachers. I pray that you would raise up pastors. I pray that you would raise up those who can father the incoming movement. God, I pray that your hand of direction would be on this church so clearly, and that people would just know what they need to do, God, and that they would just, and that it would be an honor and submission thing. God, I pray that in that people would be able to come in line with with whatever God's saying, not by fighting that they're right but by coming underneath the authority you've put in place because in that there's exponential growth God and I just thank you for it. Father your kingdom come and your will be done in this place. I just pray have your way. Have your way. Thank you Father. Now let your presence just increase. Holy Spirit increase right now. More Lord. If you're comfortable, would you just put your hands out to receive? I feel like the Lord just wants to give you a gift of an increase of his presence right now. So if you're comfortable, just put yourself in a position to receive. And let's just wait on the Lord more. Lord, Increase your presence. Increase. Some of you are going to start to feel some heaviness in your hands. That's just his anointing. There's a few of you right now that are feeling some almost like pins and needles in your hands, I think, um, and others who are feeling almost like it feels like there's like a weight right in the center of your palm. Uh, both of those, the Lord has just told me, are for gifts of healing. God's pouring out gifts of healing right now, Just funny we didn't talk about that, but I just see him pouring out anointing to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. There's a few of you who are feeling weight on your shoulders. Like a like a not a not a heavy, bad weight, but just like a weightiness on your shoulders. I feel like the Lord's saying that's him bringing an anointing to come alongside others and take their burdens and cast them along upon the Lord. Not on yourself, but upon the Lord. Mm. Thank you, a little more. God, we love your presence. Thank you, Father. We love your presence. Hmm. There's an anthem from 1994 from an outpouring that happened in Toronto that was significant and prophetic and absolutely happened and the Lord just brought it to my mind and the chorus line was let your glory fall in this place let it go forth from here to the nations." I challenge you I feel like the Lord's challenging you to let that be your prayer in this season to just God let your glory fall in this place and let it go forth from here to the nations because there's There's an intensity of his presence and his glory that he wants to release over you. I see it like like we're standing under a swimming pool with a glass bottom. And it just opens up and the water just falls on us. Thank you, God. In your name, amen. You guys be seated. I have to say one more thing I realized. God told me. Is that okay? I, I I'm sorry, it'll be very fast, but it's just super quick. Um, the Lord was speaking to me about this, was it Friday night or last, I don't know, anymore. But I failed to say it, and he just convicted me of that. I was here, and I was getting this, these impressions of all these amazing things God was going to do among you. And how significant it was going to be for the nations. And how significant it was going to be for this nation and the nations. As I've been sharing some with you today. And I had a thought come into my mind that was, how's that possible? It's, I mean, it's like two and a half hours from the closest airport. And it's like, it's just little old Starkville. And I apologize. I repent of that. But then what the Lord told me was, I think there's some of you who are also carrying that. Like, we're just little old Starkville. You know, how's God ever going to use us? We're just a little, you know, we'll be good. We'll, we'll bless our city. It'll be nice. But small vision because of you're a small city. And the Lord told me, what's that? Least among the clans, Least among the clans like Bethlehem. Um, but then the Lord had me do something, which is interesting. He said, Ben, look up the distance between Reading and Sacramento. Which is the closest airport to Reading, which is where Bethel Church is. Now, I'm not suggesting that you guys should do what Bethel's doing or look like what Bethel's doing, but we cannot deny that there is a move of God that's happened out of there that's in fe- affected the entire world. Certainly in worship, certainly in healing, lots of things, right? It's two and a half hours. Reading is not a very nice city, particularly. It's not nearly as nice as Starkville to me when I've driven through it. And it's not big. And it's like, for Californians, my wife's a Californian, and she's like, oh, once you get north of, like, basically the Bay Area, it's not really California anymore. (laughs) And and yet, little old Redding, two and a half hours from anywhere, God used him that way. And he had me do that as an act of repentance, but also as to build my faith for what he's going to do here. So I challenge you, in your private time, if you're like, yeah, that resonates with me, I know I've done some of that. Oh, and I'm, I just, by the way, if this is your first time here, or you're new here, I'm crazy and I'm not always here. You're going to be okay. Try it again. <laughs> 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 but please give them another go because this is on me. No, but um, really, if, if that's been something that you know, if that's like, oh man, I know I've had that thought. I just challenge you to, in your your private time, in your prayer closet, just repent and say, God, I don't want to think like that. I don't want to limit your plans and purposes for me or my church or my community or my city. So I repent and I say, bring it on. Whatever you've got for us, God, however big or small, if it's you, we want it. Okay? All right. Now I'm really done, I promise.